Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we took a look at the testimony offered by defense use of force expert and certified video analyst, Dr. John Black. On today's episode, we conclude our review of witness testimony in the case with the appearances by Kenosha Police Officer Brittany Bray, live streamer and commentator Frank Drew Hernandez, and in their returns to the witness stand, video analysts Dr. John Black and James Armstrong. That's all coming up right after the break. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On November 11, 2021, after Dr. John Black leaves the stand, Kenosha police officer Brittany Bray sits in the witness chair. Guided by defense attorney Mark Richards, Bray explains that she collected rifle shell casings on Sheridan Road near the scene of the shootings of Anthony Huber and Gage Grosskreutz on August 25, 2020. All of those shells were empty. Presumably, these were the spent shell casings from Kyle Rittenhouse's rifle. Bray further testifies that she also collected a 40 caliber Glock handgun that she also found on Sheridan Road near the same location, along with a full magazine and one unfired round of matching calibers. In cross-examination, Prosecutor Thomas Binger asks the witness to describe how a jammed round is cleared from an AR-15 in order to make the weapon operational again. And on redirect, Richards asks Bray to explain how long such a re-racking would take. The defense then calls Frank Andrew Hernandez, who goes by Drew Hernandez, publicly. Hernandez is a professional commentator on a streaming platform called Real America's Voice. The witness has dark hair cropped closely on the sides and spiked up about two inches on top. He wears a black suit jacket over a black t-shirt. On August 25, 2020, Hernandez was using a body cam to record the events on the streets of Kenosha. In response to defense attorney Corey Shirofsky's question about whether he observed the defendant on the evening of August 25th, Hernandez offered a long-winded, politically-tinged commentary about the chaos on the streets of Kenosha before an objection by the prosecution prompted him to get to his point that he observed Kyle Rittenhouse trying to de-escalate a situation. Shirofsky then asks Hernandez about his first encounter with Joseph Rosenbaum. During that evening, I know that you said you didn't know who he was, but did you, in looking back at your videos, have an opportunity to observe someone that evening, uh, Mr. Rosenbaum? Yes. And do you recall, just tell me where you saw him originally, if, if you can. The first time I saw Mr. Rosenbaum was when the police were pushing the riders back to uh, the gas station um, on Sheridan Ultimate, I believe. 
and uh, Mr. Rosenbaum was pushing a flaming dumpster on fire into police vehicles that were occupied by officers and human beings. Sharafasi shows video taken by Hernandez of a dumpster on fire and someone, alleged by Hernandez to be Joseph Rosenbaum, pushing it. We see an unidentified person use a fire extinguisher to put out the fire. After you captured that video then, was there other, um, did you capture Mr. Rosenbaum then doing anything again after that video? Yes, he immediately was triggered and aggravated because an individual... Now, how do you, why do you say that? Uh, because you can even hear at the end of the video, Rosenbaum is saying, why do you do that? Um, and right after this event is when they identified the individual with the fire extinguisher, with the individuals with the rifles in the gas station, and they their attention went from the police immediately to the individuals at the gas station. So what I'm interested in is really, is Mr. Rosenbaum. Yes. Did you see Mr. Rosenbaum do anything uh, that kind of drew your attention after what we saw? Absolutely. He led the charge uh, into the gas station. He was getting physically aggressive. Uh, he appeared to be attempting to start a physical altercation with people in the gas station. Uh, to the point where he was telling one of the individuals with a rifle, shoot me, N-word, shoot me, N-word, uh, clearly attempting to start a physical altercation. Was there another time prior to uh, the shooting of Mr. Rosenbaum that you observed uh, Mr. Rosenbaum and Mr. Uh, Rittenhouse in the same location? Yes. And if you know about how long before the shooting, did you see that? Um, so after this scene at the gas station, there was another fire at a mechanic shop a block away. Went to go document that for about 20 minutes. Um, and when I came back is when I saw Rosenbaum in the middle of the street lighting a trash can on fire with now his identity concealed with a t-shirt over his face. Sharafasi then shows footage taken by Hernandez of the final moments as Rosenbaum chases Rittenhouse before Rittenhouse shoots him. Hernandez's body cam records from an angle behind Richie McGinnis, who is following Rittenhouse and Rosenbaum. You see, right, Joseph Rosenbaum running after Kyle Rittenhouse. Is that about as close to the incident as you get? Uh, at the direct time of the shooting, yes. Did you see um, what Joseph Rosenbaum was doing as he was chasing Kyle Rittenhouse? So I was at the corner of the car source and the first thing I did identify was that Rosenbaum was charging Kyle Rittenhouse from behind. And then as he's charging him into the car source parking lot, uh, a firearm goes off. You could see it in the frame at the top of the car. Can I ask you to stop you for a second? Yeah. Did you hear that real time? Hear it and saw it in real time. Okay, go ahead. And as uh, the first firearm goes off, Rosenbaum is already charging Kyle from behind, uh, attempts to throw a bag at him, not sure what's inside of it. And um, Kyle is right at the corner, right there, the car, car source, and turns around and Rosenbaum is lunging towards him very clearly, and Kyle fires. And do you see that with your eyes? Yes. That night? Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Prosecutor Thomas Binger handles the cross-examination of this witness. He initially and somewhat inartfully tries to establish that the witness has a bias towards the defendant. Do you have your own independent website that you operate? Uh, I do have an independent website, yes. What's that called? DrewHLive.com. What is that? That's my own independent website. But is it like a, a news source? Is it It's a an blog? independent website. Of what type? For myself. You characterized yourself as a professional commentator. What does that mean? That means that I comment on the news professionally on a daily basis. Professionally meaning you're paid? Yep. Who pays you? I am employed by Real America's Voice. Real America's Voice? Yes. What is that? That is a news commentary, breaking news uh, website. They have their own apps and, uh, yeah, website. Other than getting paid by Real America's Voice, do you get paid by any other source to do your professional commentating? No. Is your Drew H. Live website part of Real America's Voice? No. The things that you post on your website, Drew H. Live, do you also share those with Real America's Voice? Um, depending on what's going on where I'm at. Um, but this is unrelated to what happened in Kenosha because I was not employed by Real America's Voice at the time. Does Real America's Voice have any sort of um, political uh, bias or agenda or anything like that? I'm, what is the it goes to the bias of the witness, Your Honor. Uh, the bias in what respect? I, I assume that people... We, uh, as I come at the beginning, this is not a political trial, and um, I, I don't know how you would isolate um, a per person's particular politics uh, and determine that that person is going to uh, evaluate the evidence one way or another. Okay, I'll move on. Binger then moves on to the dumpster fire. There was a video that was played of uh, the incident at the ultimate gas station with Mr. Rosenbaum and the dumpster. Fair to say? The flaming dumpster. You were personally at that location when that all happened, correct? Yes. Was the defendant? I cannot recall. I was not there. Or I can't you were recall there. he was there or not. Yes, I was there. You never saw him at that scene, correct? No. You also mentioned that at one point you observed a fire at a mechanic shop. Do you yes. remember where that was? It was a couple blocks away from Sheraton. Uh, I don't remember exactly. That was some tires yes. that were on fire in the middle of that lot, correct? Yes. And you have no idea who started that fire? No. You're not here testifying that Mr. Rosenbaum started that fire? No. You're not here testifying that anyone else in this case started that fire, correct? I have no idea who started that fire. 
after a combative back and forth regarding several social media posts by the witness that Binger characterized as reflecting his bias, Drew Hernandez is excused. Dr. John Black then returns to the stand and, under questioning from Prosecutor Binger, explains some of the technical adjustments that he made to the video that he analyzed. After Dr. Black steps down, the defense rests its case, and the prosecution indicates that it would like to recall James Armstrong, a senior forensic imaging specialist with the Wisconsin State Crime Lab, as their sole rebuttal witness. The defense objects based on their understanding of the anticipated subject of the witness's testimony. Corey Shirovsky articulates the objection. So what, what the state is trying to do is introduce a, a photograph that has been enlarged where this uh, person, Mr. Armstrong, cannot testify that in fact colors weren't added that weren't there originally. And the photograph, I know, I, I'm going to tell the court that the photograph that the state intends to offer, I believe they will be arguing, shows Mr. Rittenhouse doing something with his firearm. If it is not the same as the original and colors were added to that that is a distortion of what in fact the original photograph was it should not be admitted because it's it's not relevant if he can't testify and it, there's been no appropriate foundation that in fact it should be admitted if he can't testify that it didn't add colors that colors that originally weren't there still aren't there. And I think under the circumstances, based on the evidence that you've heard today, you should not admit those photographs because they are not what I would consider to be uh, mirror images of what the original photograph was. James Krause responds for the prosecution. Judge, all due respect to your honor, I, I think the defense is trying to take advantage of your lack of knowledge about technology, which you've expressed. Um, with the defense argument, you could never have an enlarged digital picture. All of Nathan, and I understand we didn't object to them, but all of Nathan DeBruin's pictures that he brought in um, on his own on these prints are enlarged digital images. If the defense is now trying to argue that enlarged digital images are not reliable, um, I mean, it's first of all hypocritical, but second of all, this is just not the age we're in. We are in an age where software is able to uh, enlarge and do things. And yes, this image, we believe, although uh, blurry because of the enlargement, does show, uh, in rebuttal to Mr. Rittenhouse's testimony, does show him uh, pointing his gun at individuals just before uh, Mr. Rosenbaum chases him. Uh, the defense, uh, this is clear in the drone video. We tried, we pointed out the drone video. The defendant denied it. This is an enlargement of that drone video so that we can see a better picture of it. This whole canard of adding pixels and changing color is a dishonest argument. And I believe the defense knows that. Their expert used a very similar software to zoom in and edit and change things because if these things are reliable, and they are reliable, and that this is what is used by digital for or by forensic imaging forensic scientists. It's the industry standard. So, if we're going to say that no technology can be brought in, no enlarged images can ever be brought in, that is a ridiculous standard. And that 
And we've heard from two experts now about how these algorithms are used and what they do, simply because this evidence um, may be not beneficial to their client and in fact show their client is lying. Um, they're, they're, they're stupid at this level to try and keep it out. And uh, to me, I think making a dishonest argument um, based on science, based on a number of science, forensic scientists that have emailed me uh, to discuss this issue with the Apple Zooming, which I think was also a very similarly, um, uh, I don't want to say dishonest, but inaccurate argument, uh, simply trying to keep out these enlarged or cleaned up images that show that their client is lying. He pointed a gun before Joseph Rosenbaum chased him. And this is a rebuttal. This is rebuttal evidence. This is based on someone trained in this area who uses software that is certified in this area. Um, he's trained in this area. This is what these forensic image specialists do. They're, and it's peer reviewed by other forensic images, which frankly, Dr. Black's was not. And so this is actually a much higher standard than the evidence that Dr. Black got in. Judge Schrader tries to get some clarity. A couple of things. Number one, you, you know, this is this happens sometimes. Lawyers sit there during the trial and all kinds of com stuff comes in and out and there's no objection raised. And then when, a, when there is an objection raised, the party says, well, this went on before in the trial and, and it was admitted. And I think, okay, but there wasn't an objection. So it was never scrutinized by the court. It just came in. That's number one. Number two, you're the proponent of the evidence. You have the burden of proof. They don't have to disprove the accuracy of this. You have to prove it. Number three, the witness was just here, and when he's asked what does it depict in terms of what the, whether the color is going to change or to what color, he says, I don't know. Now, this is the person who is providing your information to support your claim that uh, it is an accurate depiction. I will tell you that I, I totally uh, agree with your comment about my uh, lack of uh, familiarity with these concepts. Uh, although logic, I have, uh, I have some logical skills and when you start adding If I take a, a, this piece of paper and I start drawing squares on it, and I, I uh, uh, and then I start decide I'm going to put it on a bigger piece of paper, and I want to expand them, but I, I I do it by creating even more squares, and I don't know what's going to go into those other squares. I mean, this is difficult a concept for me. Yes. You know, the fact that I can blow something up on my phone and that it's accurate on my phone doesn't mean that the particular program used by the crime lab uh, is doing an accurate job of uh, increasing the, the size of the image. Well, this is an accredited lab using software that... What does that, that mean to me? What does that mean to me? What does peer-reviewed mean to me? If you haven't presented any evidence as to the science or as to the... Um, uh, the algorithm that's involved, Judge. Uh, you know, um, well, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I want to see the images. Prosecutor Krauss then displays the photograph and explains what it depicts. Now, what is this depicting? 
Judge, this is a image from the drone video. It's the exact area where Mr. Rittenhouse looked and denied that that is him holding his weapon, pointing it at the Zeminskis. Okay, now you tell me, where's Zeminski? Where's the defendant? Where's Zeminski is off screen because we asked it to be cropped. The defendant. Zeminski is, I believe, off screen. The defendant is right under the sign, right in front of what would be the pole holding up the sign. And right next to him is the uh, fire extinguisher that, as opposed to his actual testimony, is seen on the drone video gently placing on the ground. He then immediately raises up and raises his firearm and points it uh, at the Zeminskis. The defendant denied this even after watching the drone video. This is an enhanced, this is a, a blown up image. Obviously it's blurry because it is blown up, but you can see the black firearm being held in his two hands, albeit it is blurry. And if you'd like to see the, the video where this came from, we can show that to you as well. Judge Schrader decides to allow the video to be shown to the jury, saying that they can reach their own conclusions as to what is in the blown-up video. James Armstrong takes the stand again and, much as Dr. Black did when he testified, he explains some of the technical adjustments that he made to the video that he analyzed. On cross, Corey Sharafasi tries to see doubt in the jurors' minds about what is being added to the screen when an image is enlarged. Sir, you never compared the photograph in front of you to the original? That's what you testified to? I did not compare the original. I, anal I, I'm, um, I'm sorry, I did my analysis on that original video, but I didn't compare them side by side, no. Well, you were asked you wouldn't submit it if it wasn't, if you didn't think it was a fair and accurate representation and all that other stuff, right? Right. But you never looked at the two of them next to each other to confirm that, right? To confirm that? To compare the original to the export file? No. Prosecutor James Krause responds for the state. How do you know that the interpolation is accurate? Um, just based off the fact that the um, it's a by cubic algorithm is a common algorithm that is used, and it's a sound forensic tool within AM5. And how long did you work with the, this drone video and the different images from it? You know how many hours you worked on it? Um, I would say it was approximately 20 hours. And with that, the final witness in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse is excused. After the jury leaves the courtroom, the judge and the attorneys discuss the amount of time each side will have for closing arguments. We offer excerpts of that exchange as it seems to capture the dynamic between the parties that has characterized this trial. So maybe if you were going to confine your arguments to maybe an hour and a half a piece, is that reasonable? Very. Total time. Including rebuttal? Yeah, total time. The state is gonna need two hours for our primary and I'd say a half an hour for rebuttal hour. You know. I, I had the good fortune to um, be uh, across the street neighbor to 
living across the street to the late Kenneth Grube, United States District Judge, when I was a lad. And Judge Grube is famous for his statement that the brain cannot absorb what the seat cannot endure. And um, if you don't like that advice, um, President Roosevelt, one of the renowned speakers of the 30s and 40s, uh, when asked by his son for some advice on speaking, said, be sincere, be brief, and be seated. And uh, so the message is loud and clear. Are you saying two and a half hours to argue your case? I'm saying that I think that the that the initial closing uh, may take up to two hours. I'm not going to aim for two hours, Your Honor. Obviously, I understand that, but I want to have freedom. There are a lot of videos, and we're going to be showing them. So there's going to need to be time for that. It's not just going to be standing up groaning for two hours, but there's going to be time when we're going to need several minutes. I don't even know, probably 30 minutes worth of video that they may be watching at various times, um, which no one's going to be talking. It'll just be playing it. Um, and I certainly don't want to be in a situation where our allotted time for closings, you know, you propose an hour and a half, for example, um, we do an hour and you know 10 minutes or whatever to save 20 for rebuttal. I can't possibly budget rebuttal time uh, because I don't know what the rebuttal is going to be. Uh, so I'd like that, you know, we can put a cap of, you know, 30 minutes or something on it, but I don't want to. I don't want that to come out of the first closing period of time, uh, and I don't want to be limited. I don't want to have to budget that right now out of that first closing time. So I, if, if the court is disinclined to go along with that, then I would propose an hour and a half for our primary closing, an hour and a half for the defense, and then a maximum of 30 minutes for rebuttal. They should get no more time than us. Would well, it? they won't. Okay. They won't. Whatever the time no. the court says, yeah. I'll deal with it. I, I think I, an hour and a half is adequate. Uh, I, 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 um, I, I agree with you that, and you make a good point about the um, number of exhibits. And uh, so um, I'm going to indulge uh, Total time of two and a half hours each side. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us tomorrow as we move on to look at Judge Schrader's instructions to the jury and begin our review of the prosecution's closing argument. The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic t-shirts, soft, structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim, all made right here in the USA, with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com.
and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code GRATEFULAG23. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at CrimeStory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs>